Today's podcast is brought to you by audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash Betty. Audiobooks are one of my favorite ways to entertain my older daughter during Betty's therapy sessions, and audible.com offers dozens of children's collections that you can get for a single credit. All of the Ramona books for one credit, the entire Chronicles of Narnia, or 91 Hours of the Wizard of Oz, one credit. Plus, it's a great way to support the podcast. Sign up for your free audiobook and 30-day free trial today at audibletrial.com slash Betty. When my oldest daughter was about three years old, I started doing something that I now regret. I started giving her too much information. It started innocently enough. She would ask a question, I'd provide an answer, and she continued to ask and dig deeper until her curiosity was satisfied. To bypass the seemingly unnecessary back and forth, I started going straight to the most thorough explanation I could come up with. For example, when she asked why she couldn't stay in the car while I went grocery shopping, instead of saying, because it's not safe, I went straight to the, because if someone sees you, they might call the police and I could get in trouble and you could get taken away from me, answer. Never mind the fact that my naive explanations of reality probably scarred my daughter. The reason I mention this is because I sometimes feel the same way when trying to explain Betty's disabilities to other people. It's tricky. How much information should I give? How much should I assume they understand about neurology, genetics, ophthalmology, brain development, or even just babies in general? Do I even owe them an explanation at all? Or do I owe it to my daughter to keep the details of her diagnosis a little more guarded from a stranger who's simply curious? Today I'm talking with Cammie about her adorable son Calvin. She talks about the hopes and fears we have for our kids, the ways she feels she's been prepared to be Calvin's mom, and we also chat about some of those sometimes awkward, sometimes wonderful conversations you can get into with strangers. Cammie's got a positive outlook and shares some sweet stories, so stay with us. In January of 2013, my baby girl Betty was born. Later we discovered she had a chromosomal deletion that would affect the rest of her life. I created this podcast to share the stories and struggles of special needs children and their families. This is episode 6 of Bringing Up Betty. I'm Sarah Evans. Cammy was 20 weeks pregnant with her first little boy when she and her husband got the news that something wasn't right. When we were 20 weeks pregnant uh, with him, he was diagnosed with spina bifida. Cammy's husband was in medical school at the time, and she was an ER nurse. So upon hearing the news, they thought there must be some kind of mistake. The, the only thing I knew, I'm a nurse and my husband's a, a doctor, so we kind of both had a little bit of a background about it, but really the only thing we knew about it was that it can be prevented by taking your prenatal vitamins, which I'd been doing. So I was, the first, you know, the first thought I had was, this can't be right. I've been taking my vitamins, like the doctor's got to be wrong. And I guess denial was there and then guilt and 
you know, sadness and you just don't really know in that situation what, you know, the world kind of just stops right then. You have all these emotions and stuff going on. And um, it took a couple of weeks to kind of get out of that fog, I think, of confusion and uh, denial and all that. When Cammie was 25 weeks pregnant, they traveled to Denver for fetal surgery. They opened me up, took him out, uh, sewed up his back and put him back in uh, for eight or nine more weeks until he was delivered. The fetal surgery and extensive hospital stay it required kept Cammie and her husband very busy and moving forward with an action plan to help their son helps take their minds off of his uncertain future. We kind of got a new hope there and everything just went crazy with that. It kind of um, set us on a new path, I guess, from from when we had gotten the diagnosis because we had a plan and we were in action and moving and doing something rather than just, you know, sitting around and waiting for our baby to be born with these uh, special needs that we didn't really know anything about. Um, so it was just a couple weeks of the really, you know, dark time before we had the surgery and we're in the hospital and so busy, everything going on, we kind of were able to um, move past that, I think, pretty quickly. While they were preparing for Calvin's arrival, they also found some great support online. Uh, We were really lucky um, to find such, we have a really great online support group that we found pretty soon after we got our diagnosis. And um, on that support group, the moms and dads are always posting pictures of their kids and, you know, their success stories. And um, so everyone's really different, but it was just clear from all of their stories that, you know, they're all happy and um, active and, you know, moving forward with their lives and they're doing great. And They got a glimpse of what life for Calvin might be like and the challenges he might deal with. Some have braces, some have walkers, some have wheelchairs, some have crutches. And so um, we knew probably, you know, he would have some form of um, assistance with his mobility. And um, we knew he might have some, you know, bladder and bowel issues. But that was really, that was the most common um, things that people were dealing with, it seemed like. And we, of course, hoped that our baby would be, you know, the one in a million that was the miracle child that turned out you couldn't even tell anything was wrong. And I think that hope got us through until, you know, a couple months after he was born when we realized, oh, you know, he's not the miracle baby, but he has his own miracles. And we're so glad he's here. You know, the the hope got us through until... Um, He was actually there to love and to know that everything was going to be okay, no matter what his special needs were. Calvin has actually had to deal with a few additional issues that the Barneys weren't anticipating. But like Cammie said, he has had his own miracles along the way. He has a lot more issues than we ever thought he would. He's one of the, um, on the other end of the spectrum, that is really rare that he has all these other complications that most people don't. Um, He has breathing issues, which is very rare with uh, the diagnosis of spina bifida. Most kids don't. Um, And uh, he's 
most kids are able to, you know, move their legs a little bit and walk with assistance. And at least when they're little, bear weight. And he doesn't bear weight at all. He doesn't move his legs or really feel anything at all. And um, so he's uh, a little worse off than we thought. But it's, I don't know, it's weird how it doesn't seem to, it's not that big of a deal anymore now that he's here because uh, we We've gotten to know him and his abilities, and it doesn't matter to us that he, you know, will never walk because he's so stinking cute in his little wheelchair and gets around just fine, and he's got his own ways of doing things. When he was about six or seven weeks old, um, he hadn't had any breathing issues up until that point. He was doing really well. And then one day he just stopped breathing at home and I had to give him CPR and call 911 and he was rushed to the hospital and he was on life support in the pediatric intensive care unit for about three weeks. And we, there were so many times um, in those weeks that we thought, you know, this is the end, we're gonna lose him. We were kind of like bolstering ourselves up for you know, having that happen. There are so many times that, you know, he just recovered and he kept on going and time after time. And then we got to the point where, oh, well, he's well enough to go home on home oxygen. And we didn't know what kind of brain damage he had suffered from all of the um, times where he had stopped breathing. and. So far, he seems to be doing okay cognitively, and um, he's his seems to be getting stronger with his breathing. And we thought for sure he would have to have a G tube and um, get his nutrition that way. And we've been able to avoid that so far, and we've been able to avoid a trach, which we thought was for sure at one point. And there's just a ton of little things that could have gone so much. Um, different and they just all turned out so perfect and we just feel really lucky for what we do have. (laughs) Sometimes as parents we feel totally thrown into the deep end with our kids when we find out that they will have challenges we didn't anticipate or hope for but then sometimes we can also look back and see some of the incredible ways we were being prepared for those challenges long before we ever knew they would be a part of our lives. You know, when we um, were starting to get ready for the fetal surgery and um, all of that, we would, there were lots of times where I, I like started to pray, you know, that everything would be okay and that just different things. And so many times I got the impression that you know, this prayer has already been answered. Like you've already been prepared for this your whole life. And the timing was, everything just worked out perfectly. Like I just felt like so many of our prayers that we would have prayed at that time had already been answered for us before we even knew that we had, you know, to say them. And um, I feel like that a lot is just some specific examples. Um, I, my husband's a doctor. I went to nursing school. I'm a nurse and 
I worked for a couple of years in emergency room, um, both children and adults. So we both had a lot of medical experience that I think our son probably wouldn't have survived without having 24-hour doctor and nursing care um, his whole life. Um, uh, the timing for his fetal surgery and his birth was everything worked out perfectly with my work and my husband's school. Um, something way far back was my first college boyfriend was actually, he had had a spinal cord injury a couple years earlier and he was in a wheelchair and I got, I got to experience, um, that, that aspect of special needs from that perspective long before I ever knew I would be a special needs mom or in this world. And I feel like that's prepared me a lot as well. That's like something really random that I know was um, to provide help for me later. Um, but lots of little things like that, I feel, prepared us for this part of our life. <laughs> now Calvin zooms around in his wheelchair, loves the skate park, the mall, and the splash pad. And Cammy loves seeing him learn to be more independent. Now that Calvin is becoming more independent and is out and about in the community more, he attracts a lot of attention. Aside from being so cute in his little wheelchair, he also has oxygen at all times. So people have noticed him since he was quite young. And it's been almost a year and a half now, so um, I've gotten... I don't want to say every comment that could have been made because I'm sure there's some things that will surprise me, but um, I've been surprised at how people, you know, total strangers just come up and start talking and sometimes it's awkward and sometimes it's special and sometimes I'm in a hurry and I don't want to talk about my child's extensive medical history, but sometimes, um, you know, I make a really strong connection with this stranger in the checkout line at the grocery store talking about miracles and children and all that. Um, it's, uh, you can, I guess you can kind of tell when people have had an experience like this or have been close to someone um, with special needs because it seems like they approach you a different way. Um, some people will just come up and say, what's wrong with your kid? And that's always like, oh, I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> like, that's terribly rude. <laughs> but um, some people, like other people will come up and say, oh, I'd love to hear your son's story. And just like asking the same thing, but in a totally different way, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and it's always, it's always hard to know how much to tell and um, you know, because I could go on forever talking about his medical history and his accomplishments and his trials, but it's like, how much does this person, you know, that I'm waiting in line next to really want to know? And I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah. hard to, to decide, you know? Yeah. I find that like really hard to figure out too. And and partly because I am totally not the person that would go up to anyone ever and ask them, like, I know. what's going on with your kid? Like, yeah. um, <laughs> although I feel like I am learning that, that, you know, worded properly, that that's appreciated a lot mm -hmm. more than, um, you know, just like staring or wonder, like, do you feel the same way? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. And I also feel like I'm a totally different person than I was a year and a half ago when this all started. I I would come home crying pretty much every time we went out in public, <laughs> like just the things people said and I, people would be so genuine, but I would just take it the wrong way. And, and I never would want to talk to strangers. You know, I wasn't, like, like you said, the kind of person that goes up to someone and asks them personal information. But now, like, it doesn't really bother me at all when people come up and want to talk. Um, I think I'm a much friendlier person now and I can, I find myself having full conversations with people I just met, even, you know, any age, little kids to really, you know, great, great grandma. Um, they, it, the Calvin kind of just brings us all together, you know, it's one of those unanticipated blessings that can come to you as a special needs family Suddenly, you're connecting with all kinds of people you probably never would have spoken with otherwise. We call it Calvin's fan club and his paparazzi because, you know, you'll find this taking your daughter out. Um, little kids in wheelchairs draw a lot of attention. <laughs> they, uh, they're they so cute and people just are drawn to it, I think, and want to know more. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. We, we took her... Um, to the splash pad for the first time. And before I knew it, there were like five or six kids just like following her and like mm-hmm. so interested. And she had this little entourage and it was so cool. Oh, it's so true. We have trouble with that actually. Little kids coming up and wanting to push him. And I, it's so hard because I ha- find myself having to, you know, tell these kids like don't touch don't they'll push him like hard and he'll get whiplash and (laughs) I'm like be gentle he can push himself like one day we were out with um some of our friends and uh the their their two little girls and their mom and myself and Calvin and one of the little girls kept pushing him and her mom came up to me and she's like what do I tell her like how do I tell her not to push do you want her pushing like how can I how can I explain to her not to and I was like, I don't know. Like, this is my first time too. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know what's appropriate to say to other people's kids, and it's just such a learning curve that you don't really expect when you start it all, and just kind of comes over time. I think. <laughs> New parents tend to joke about how their babies don't come with a handbook, but when you're dealing with special needs, it's like you're thrown into this mysterious world that you quickly have to master overnight. People look to you as the parent to be adept in knowing what language and treatment of your child is appropriate or offensive. And sometimes we just don't know. I felt the same way a lot with like um, the language because I'll read things that, um, you know, use like people first language and st- and and I'm, yeah. I'm just like, well, I'm, I'm in this and that doesn't offend me. Like, should it offend me? I don't. And I just, I find it so funny, like that as soon as you're a parent of a kid with special needs, like the whole world thinks that you are an expert on mm-hmm. how to deal with this situation. And you're like, I don't you're know like, either. You're like, this is my first time. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've never had a kid with special needs before. Yeah, so. I know. And even like, do we say special needs? Do we say disabled? Yeah. Do we say like handicapped? Yeah. <laughs> and that is hard too. Um, I had someone the other day came up to me and said something about Calvin being handicapped. And 
I people haven't really used that word much around him, and it kind of took me back. I'm like, oh, I don't think I like that. Like, mm-hmm. is that what like is that what we're gonna be saying now? Like, should I be okay with that? Should I not? Because um, another hard thing is to know, like, like I don't feel good about this. Should I be offended or should I just move on? Um, we went to a restaurant once, and it had been kind of a rough week with Calvin and. My husband had been working a lot and we were just, I was so happy to be out just relaxing at this restaurant. And this guy came up to us while we were sitting there and he was kind of asking us about Calvin and we were explaining and, you know, we, we got to the point where we can say everything like with a good attitude, like, oh, this and this, but we're happy. He loves life. And the guy gets down real close to our face and he goes, I just feel so sorry for him. And I was like, just went home and cried and cried. And I called my mom and I was telling her about it. And she's like, you, like, you shouldn't be offended. He was genuine. He was just trying to express sympathy. And I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be offended. But I don't know. I just didn't feel good. Like, it didn't make me feel good. And so it's hard to, you know, know when to to say something, when to defend your child and when to just accept that that person is being genuine and doesn't really know that they're saying something that might be hurtful. And I feel like I've gotten over it with time. Like I'm able to kind of brush off people's remarks as just, they don't know any better kind of thing. And anyway, it's, but it's again, a learning curve. (laughs) But with a year and a half under her belt, Cammie does appreciate when people see her son as just a little boy and approach him like they might approach any other little boy. I I try to take Calvin out in public a lot. Um, it kind of gets you know gets me through the long day. He loves people. He he stops and waves at everyone that we pass, and people are just totally drawn to him. So we have a lot of people come up and talk to us, and um, varying everything from you know, will your kid ever walk? Like just very blunt questions that used to kind of get to me but now I'm just like no he won't like just answer them happily and truthfully and um but we I like it when people come up and and just kind of focus like what's what's your kid's name like um how old is he just ask me questions that you would ask you know anyone not not like you know, dive right into his special needs, but kind of just, oh, your kid is so cute. Oh, he's so good at moving his wheelchair. Like he looks so happy. I kind of wish they would just always um, focus on, you know, what makes him, you know, a cute little boy and uh, just like anyone else and not really what makes him different, you know. Not that what makes him different is bad, but just focus on the good things. (laughs) Cammie has been overwhelmed with the kindness and acceptance that their community continually extends to Calvin. But really, it might just come down to there being something really special about this kid and his ability to bring out that goodness in others. You know, I, we get a lot of just people that come up and say he's so cute. Like he gets a lot of positive attention when we're out. And, um, People just, you know, our friends and people in our church and people in our community that we know well, they just all love him so much. And I 
I don't know if I would feel this way with like if I had a, just a typical kid or if it's something special about Calvin. Um, but I'm just really amazed at the love that people feel for him. And I don't know, there's something about other people loving your child that just melts your heart kind of thing. And Calvin just seems to bring out so much love in people around him. And that's something that I I wasn't really expecting as a mom. Like, I don't know. I see other kids his age, like running around and making messes. And I don't think of them like, oh, that kid is just so lovable and wonderful. And um, you kind of think of, you know, two-year-old little boys as little mess maker kind of things, not like love spreaders. <laughs> but he does. He's, he's uh, I'm just surprised at, at the love that people are able to feel for him. And I think it's something special about him and um, what he's gone through and what he's accomplished and how he just smiles and makes everyone feel good, I think. <laughs> Calvin is generally accepted and loved by everyone, but there's one group in particular that he has totally won over. At our church, there's um, a lot of little girls. I, we just have an overabundance of little girls at our church, and they all just love Calvin. Every Sunday, they just gather around him and like oh Calvin he's so cute and they just form a little circle around his wheelchair and just sit there and you know love on him for as long as their parents let them and um, there's this little girl that had a birthday party she's turning six and we got an invitation and I called her mom up and was like thanks so much for inviting Calvin we're really excited and her mom was like Sarah invited 10 six-year-old girls and one Calvin <laughs> And she's like, she just loves Calvin so much, and they're all going to have such a good time with him. And so we brought him to the party with all of these little girls, and they just went crazy over him. We It was a pool party. We put him in his little, you know, he has a pool raft, and all these little girls just took turns pushing him around the pool, and they swam circles around him, and they had a little Calvin parade where they just took him around in the baby pool, and He's just loving it. He loves all these little girls and their attention to him. But it's yeah, they're very motherly. <laughs> in fact, we were we my husband. He's in residency right now, and um, we've talked about we're here until 2018 for sure. And then it's kind of up in the air where we go. And after that party, I was telling him, I think we need to stay here forever because I don't know if we're gonna find another place where Calvin is so adored. Like we just need to stay here so that he can always have all of this love and support that he has here because it's really, I think it means a lot. <laughs> when you get a diagnosis, you don't naturally think about how great your life will be, how loved your child will be, or how darling they'll be zooming around in their wheelchair. You think about the challenges, the hardships, the difficulties, the disappointments, and to bring all of that reality, good and bad, into perspective Cammie's advice for parents with a newly diagnosed child is to find a support group. I would tell them to find a support group. Um, there's a lot of uh, conditions out there that are super rare. I know your daughter has one that's very rare, and it's hard to to find people, but I think it's so important to have a um, 
a support group that's been what you've been through, that's going what you're going through, and that can give you advice and support and um, help you during those rough times that no one no one else seems to understand. Um, so whether it be an online group or uh, through your doctor's office, like they can put you in touch with other families or if there's no one, just um, some close friends and family that you can tell everything to and have their support. I think I think having a support group is huge when going through something like that. I think it's been interesting also to realize, um, even though you know each of our children do have like specific different challenges, that mm-hmm. we can all kind of relate to each other on a certain level as well, even though our kids might not be dealing with exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't, I didn't realize that really at first, you know, I thought, Oh, we have to find other families that have this exact same diagnosis. Mm-hmm. But then I realized a lot of it is the same just because it's kind of hard no matter what. Yeah. One thing I, I learned early on in this, uh, this experience is that all the moms, no matter what, if their kids are totally normal, if their kids are super high needs, we all have like the same fears and one mom's worst day ever is she had the same feelings that, you know, I had on my worst day ever. And this other mom had on her worst day ever. And we can all kind of understand each other because we all have, you know, the same fears for our kids, the same hopes for our kids. And we all feel the same emotions over our kids. And we lived in the Ronald McDonald house for, um, three or four months while our while we were doing the fetal surgery and Calvin was in the hospital and we met so many families there, just, you know, all different kinds of things, brain cancer, heart transplants, kidney transplants, like all these families going through these horrific medical experiences and everyone just totally, you know, got each other there and we were all doing different things and having different experiences, but we all had the same love for our kids and we were all having you know, the same scary situations that were kind of out of our control. And we all are just really able to connect and understand each other. And that was a really amazing experience. Those fears and hopes that we all have as moms are pretty universal. Right now, here's what Kemi's biggest fears are for Calvin. So I feel like at first it was, you know, I'm afraid my baby's not going to make it. I'm afraid, you know... Um, for health, like immediate health uh, consequences, I guess. But more recently, it's been um, more long-term fears. Like, I think my biggest fear right now is that as he grows older and maybe he starts to look a little more different and his body doesn't develop quite the same way and um, he's not as, you know, adorable in his little wheelchair, that people won't... um, be as you know drawn to him as supportive of him that kind of this this amazing support group we have right now when he's little and going through all of this um will kind of fade away as he gets older I'm worried that as he gets older and he needs the support group um that it it might not be as strong as it was you know when he's little and that's my biggest worry right now I think for him um and that's what I was saying. I think we need to stay here because I think we need to be where people knew him when he was, you know, this cute and little. And 
and I worry about what's going to happen when he gets older. <laughs> when they're little, you have all of these people are like, you know, they want little kids to get better and be happy. And when they're older, you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> we all have fears for our kids, but we also have those moments of wonder and joy. For a long time, it was, you know, he's on oxygen and he's on a monitor and it's such a hassle to to you know, be mobile and take him out. And But I've really tried to do it. And um, there was one day I took him to Target. It was right after he'd started learning how to turn in his big wheelchair. And, and he was going down the aisle in Target and kind of pulling things off the shelves. And I was just letting him. And all these people were walking by and stopping to watch him because, you know, he's so little and able to to direct his wheelchair. And I could just, people were coming up and saying how impressed they were with him and how cute he was and all that. And I remember having this overwhelming feeling of just joy and pride and just happiness that he was like, I was just so proud of him um, doing it all on his own. And I just had this feeling like, it's going to be okay. Like, I didn't know I could feel this proud of someone. Like, my heart was just ready to burst out of my chest. I was so proud. And um, since then, I've had that feeling a lot, mostly when he's out and and people are admiring how good he is at wheeling his wheelchair around. But um, it was, I don't know, so so special for me to, to feel that way for him. Like, I'm like, I've never felt this proud of myself. I can't imagine, like, feeling this proud of of someone I've never had this feeling before but it was there and I don't know it's been something wonderful Cami Barney is a mother and nurse living in Tulsa Oklahoma with her husband and their little boy Calvin you can find her on the web at lifeisabowlofcandy.com today's episode was recorded and produced by me Sarah Evans If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe in iTunes and share the episode with a friend. To show a little extra love, leave a rating and review. Maybe you've had a strange or wonderful experience in talking to strangers about your child's diagnosis. If so, leave a comment on the blog. Today's show notes can be found by visiting our website, bringupbetty.com slash six. I changed the format of the notes for today's episode, so please go check them out and let me know what you think. I'm also starting a series of mini episodes that will feature short stories about specific experiences you've had in your parenting journey, so please send me an email at bringingupbetty at gmail.com if you'd like to participate. Be sure to write if you've got a sweet, funny, or unusual story to share. I would love to hear from you. Don't forget to follow Bringing Up Betty on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you'd like to be the first to know when a new episode is released, join our mailing list. Visit bringingupbetty.com to sign up. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.